This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal News Show. Joining you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Yes, it's finally getting towards hoodie season. Um, It's that little bit too cool in the mornings. And with the cost of living crisis here in the UK, it's important not to just waste heating and instead to wrap up as warm as you can. So I hope that you're doing the same. I say it's mad considering I was moaning about what, 34 degree heat like a month ago. The English weather is a weird and wonderful thing. Uh, But good morning, everybody in the chat box. Uh, Let's see who's joined us today. Good morning to Trevor and Matt G and PJ, uh, Anthony and Marcus. Uh, We've got uh, Harrison. We've got Christopher and Ekshal, who definitely wasn't first (laughs) in the chat. Uh, Kaiser and Gunerate, David, Jacob and Olu and Stevie. Good morning, guys. Stephen and Martin and Dom C and Paul. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're having a fantastic week so far. And good morning to everybody else joining us in the chat as well. Without further ado, uh, there's, I think, three three or four tickets left for the San Gabriel Jesus shirt. So don't miss out on your opportunity to get hold of this one. Um, you got to be quick. Uh, competition ends on Monday, the 12th of September. Link down there. Uh, there is a preview uh, for the Arsenal against Zurich game out already. We actually did it last night. So if you've not yet checked out our preview show from yesterday, go back and give it a watch. We give our predicted, well, not predicted, but desired lineups. We give a little brief update on some injury and team new stuff, but more of that is going to come in today's show, of course, too, uh, as Arsenal travel out to Switzerland this afternoon. We've got a training session in the morning of which I'll be attending. Uh, and then uh, the guys fly out to St. Gallen, where there'll be a press conference at around 6.45, 6, 6, 7 o'clock this evening, um, which my colleague Kai Kanak will be in attendance for from Football London. So make sure you're across the Arsenal way to watch that one back. Uh, the Inside Hail End episodes one to three are finally out. A lot of people have been asking in the comment sections when the Inside uh, Hail End documentary would be released. 
and it has now come out. You can go and watch uh, Inside Hayland on the Arsenal YouTube channel. I still need to catch up on it. Um, certainly looking forward to seeing what kind of little treasures and tidbits are involved and what things we see behind the scenes. So I'm looking forward at some point to, to running through that. I don't think I'll be doing a breakdown of it. I don't think that's necessary. But uh, if you are enjoying the series, then let us know and give us some feedback on how you enjoyed the documentary. Arsenal's under-21s drew last night in their first European fixture against Feyenoord. Um, it could have done better. I think Arsenal could have come out of a win, but Feyenoord do have a very good uh, group and collection of young players. So perhaps it will be looked back upon as a very good result. We'll have to wait and see as time moves forward. Uh, and Balogun won the Young Player of the Month award for Liga. Of course, now has scored five goals in six games for Horns and drawn uh, drawn and assisted two more as well. He's actually one of the highest goal contributors on the whole of the continent right now. Very exciting where he might end up in the future and what kind of level he can get to. But he's performing in one of the top five leagues now, potentially next season. Is there a place for him in the Arsenal senior side? If there isn't, a Premier League low move certainly, I think, has to be the aim. But he may even be worth quite a significant fee in the summer. His future at Arsenal for the long term is not necessarily assured, of course, with Eddie Nketiah signing that new deal. So it'll be intriguing how on earth Balogun finds his pathway into senior football. But now tied down to a long-term deal, any which way, hopefully it'll be to the benefit of Arsenal. Hector Bellerin has spoken out about his time and now move to Barcelona. He says, I wore this shirt for many years in the academy at Barca and now is the year in which I least expect to be able to return home. I want to give thanks to the president and all of the clubs through which I have passed to make this possible. I always had it inside me to be able to play for the first team in the past where there were opportunities, but they never materialized. I always had that intuition that I would have the chance to return home. Um, president Joan Laporta uh, revealed that the signing was specifically requested by Xavi. He said Xavi asked me, to, uh, asked me for his signing and it came off thanks to the great work of Matteo and his family. He is a committed person and is certain that he will help us. Um, Bellerin, uh, Xavi in particular kind of was a little bit hypocritical about this because you may remember an interview that Xavi once did where he actually spoke about um, not re-signing players that leave Barcelona. He may have turned around on this and, you know, I certainly am not going to be one to chastise someone for changing their mind or opinion on something, but it was interesting uh, that now Xavi's kind of viewpoint on players that leave Barcelona should indeed be given a second chance, and Bellerin is one of those. Burton Leno has uh, come out with some complaints, and a shout-out to Jonty for making me aware of this this morning um, to include this in the morning show. But Leno uh, spoke to Sport Build via football transfers, in which he said, when I realised that it wasn't about performance or quality, I knew I had to go. Um, during, the, uh, during the preparation, I saw that it's not about performance, it's just about politics, it was clear to me I have to get out of here. Uh, he continues to talk about his time with uh, Fulham. The most important thing for me is to find my rhythm again, especially after I wasn't actually able to train properly at Arsenal and had no preparation. It's up to me to get the focus back on the national team. Um, hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I find this strange. Uh, there's In the actual article, um, it says that U.S. competitor Matt Turner was mainly engaged for marketing reasons. I find this odd because obviously Matt Turner was brought in. The club knew they were going to move on Burt Leno. So I don't know why Matt Turner has any reference to this. 
Leno wants to play. He wants to find his rhythm. I don't know why having an American player, and I get the marketing benefits of having an American player because you have access to that market. But I, I don't think that Leno's. I, I don't think the reason why Leno uh, wasn't given the opportunity to start more regularly for Arsenal. Um, was because of politics. I might be wrong. I'm coming from an outside perspective. These are really strange comments. Uh, I think that it's more a case of him being a bit salty about losing his place to Ramsdale. And he lost that place pretty darn quick. You know, it, it wasn't like the plan was to insert Ramsdale really early on. But Ramsdale earns that place very quickly. You know, I, I just think it's a bit, it's a, it's a bit salty. I'd take it with a pinch of salt, um, these words from Leno. He deserved, I think Ramsdale deserved to claim that spot. He needed, we needed a goalkeeper with much better distribution. And let's be real, Leno's involvement in the team was associated with that continual decline of the club up until the point in which we decided to bring in Ramsdale. You know, we needed to change things. He had his chance. It didn't work out. Fair enough. I, I don't really understand where that comes from. Um, the semi-auto VAR was used in yesterday's Champions League. You may have, I'm sure, watched plenty of the games. Uh, and I really like it. If this is what the future of VAR is, which I don't think is going anywhere, I don't think VAR is going anywhere at all, then I think this use of the semi-auto VAR system is, is very good. Um, it's quicker. They said they want to get it down to about 25 seconds to make a decision at max. Hopefully, there comes a day when they can make it very quick indeed, so much so that the linesman can kind of get a um, a kind of a, a word in his ear that something's offside and he can raise his flag. There are things that VAR is never going to be able to judge, you know, and in terms of that, it's, it's still got to lean on the officials to make the decisions, certainly in regard to if a player's positioned in an offside area, are they interfering with play? That's a judgment. A computer can't make that decision. That has to be down to the judgment of the referee. Um, but the VAR works with loads of cameras basically used around the stadium. It has kind of, uh, it tracks the movement of players. It tracks the time at which the pass is played. And then once it's got the moment that the pass has been played, it has a freeze frame of a computer generated image matching the positions of the players. And it can work out whether or not a player is offside that then gets sent to the referee and they get told whether or not a goal. I think a goal was actually ruled out yesterday uh, as well because of the VAR system. I think it's something that really works and it's impressive. So let's see indeed if it is facing any problems. I'm sure there'll be some controversy. There always is, but it's going to be used throughout the competition. It won't be used in the Europa League to my knowledge. So Arsenal won't see it in use, but it will be used at the World Cup this summer as well. Uh, Mudrik, uh, Arsenal's uh, potential linked winger target from the summer, scored in their win over RB Leipzig and assisted as well. Some really good play from me. He actually starred during the game and was very impressive on that left-hand side. Uh, massive amounts of speed, good finishing, good timing of runs and vision as well for his assist. He's a special kid, and you can see why Shakhtar Donetsk weren't going to be accepting anything less than the 50 million euros they supposedly wanted for the player. Now, John Cross of the Mirror reports that Arteta plans on going strong in the Europa League. And very uh, interestingly, we will likely still see plenty of the players that played against Man United and that will play against Everton used in the Europa League competition this season. Uh, we all know about the whole... A team, B team, the need for rotation. And I think we will see rotation, but potentially there is indications that we won't rotate anywhere near 
uh, as much as what we used to. Did I say the World Cup in the summer? Oh, it's just a Freudian slip. World Cup this winter. Um, yeah, going back to this, uh, Arteta, of course, uh, is expected to go strong, maybe stronger than many people expect. Myself and King and Moss in yesterday's preview show did throw in a lot of rotational options. I think I made nine changes to the team that played against Manchester United. I will be surprised whether or not um, that ends up happening, but he apparently intends to go quite strong. I'm okay with it as long as we obviously see players given enough rest and there isn't any unnecessary usage of players so that it encourages more injuries. But obviously we need to be in a situation where we're rotating and providing enough recovery time to our first team starters. Thomas Partey could potentially return as early as the Everton fixture. There is a hope that he might return to training this week. Um, this is a report from my colleague Simon Collings, who writes for the Evening Standard. He, um, my contemporary, I should say, um, he wrote the piece basically talking specifically about the hope that Partey uh, will be back in training this week and kind of running outside and doing all that good stuff. He could be back for Everton. I wouldn't play him against Everton. I would really keep him kind of bubble wrapped up all the way through until the game against Brentford at the earliest. We don't need to rush him back into things. I think Lokonga is good enough that we can use him against both Zurich and Everton comfortably. And I would wait until that Brentford game. Because I think that's a really big and difficult test for Arsenal going away for the Brentford. We know what happened there last season. So I would ease him back into things, potentially give him some minutes in the Europa League fixtures as well to get him kind of fully up to speed. But he could be back. And this is obviously a massive, massive boost for Arsenal. I'd probably give him, say, 30, 40 minutes in the game against PSV. I don't see why that wouldn't be too much of a problem. But then I'd use him in the game against uh, against Brentford to give him the best opportunity. Uh, Dan, hi, Tom. How long did Mohamed Elneny extend his contract? A year runs out at the end of this season. So he will be moving on unless the club decide once again to renew that contract. And that is all of today's stories, except for the fact that Partey was also included in his Ghanaian national side's call-up. Something that I'm sure will frustrate Arsenal uh, for the Europe, for the uh, international fixtures. The last international break, of course, before the Winter World Cup. That is frustrating. I know for a lot of fans that would have hoped to have seen him not included so he could get back to full fitness. We saw what happened with Kieran Tini when he went off to play for Scotland. But we have to remember that also it is in Ghana's best interest to keep Partey fit for the World Cup. They are not going to want to overuse him. And you'd hope that they would only have him in there as kind of that player in and around the squad rather than being overplayed or given a stupid amount of minutes and then risking him so he's not available for the World Cup. If he's injured at Arsenal, then he doesn't go. But from the sounds of things, he could be back even as early as this weekend. So Ghana are well within their rights to call him up because he should still be kind of back and available during that international break. But it will be a frustration. Um, and I think Arsenal will be concerned. But he will be fit, apparently, for the international break because he could be fit for Arsenal before the break happens. So if they take him away, they take him away. It's a frustration for us, but they are well within their rights to call him up. Um, we just got to keep our fingers crossed that that doesn't end up having any kind of impact on him in the long-term future. Uh, some interesting inclusions like Inyaki Williams as well, involved in that team, and Mohamed Salasu as well. Um, there were talks about, uh, and Tariq Lamptey, of course, is another one that's going to be involved in, in the competition too. Eddie Nketiah uh, was also being linked, I believe, with a potential call-up 
to uh, Ghana and he could change his affiliation to uh, Ghana from England. So watch out for that one ahead of the World Cup. Maybe there'll be some more changes to that squad. Um, that completes all of part one, which means we're going to tackle your questions in part two. So without further ado, if you would like to throw a question into the chat box, now is the time to do that and we will tackle them after this quick break. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, there is, just checking this, because there was four tickets left before it is still four tickets left. So you still have time uh, to jump into the description and get your chance to win a signed Gabriel Jesus shirt. Okay, uh, let's go through some more of your questions. Uh, Maggie says, poll question, which ex-Arsenal keeper is the most salty? A, Leno or B, Martinez? <laughs> That's actually quite good. I'm going to do that. Who is the most salty goalkeeper? Who is more salty, Martinez or Leno? Let's get your picks in the chat box. Leno or Emmy? Off you go. Got your votes in. Let's see what you go for. Um, I'm curious to get your results. I suppose recency bias might still make people a lot of pick Leno, but Martinez is a force unto himself regarding these types of things. So who knows? Maybe he will win this one out of the two. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Anne says, I'm unsure about the wisdom uh, in not putting a few more youth players in the Europa League squad to play the dead rubbers, which we will inevitably play in the last two matches. And we can still take a lot of youth players. There is a B list for the Europa League, so we can take a lot of youth players that don't have to be included in the main squad. Bakaya Saka is in the B list. Uh, Carl Hine is in the B list, not in the A list, because we don't need to include them in the same way because of how the rules work. So don't worry. There's still a lot of youth players that still could be used should we need them. Um, if we have a game at the end of the group when we've already, say, wrapped up the top of the group standing, we are going to have an opportunity to use those players. So don't think for a second that uh, that we, we haven't included them. There is a B list system, so you can still use them. Um, MJ10 says, why is there even an international break with a World Cup in a year where the World Cup's in the middle? It's not the usual time. There's usually a, an international break after deadline day. That's when the players go off to play of their international sides. There's usually a break then. So it has been pushed back until the end of September, start of uh, the end of September is when it is. So it's frustrating. I know. I'd rather that there wasn't an international break. It's really irritating. Um, I hate international football when it's not like a tournament. 
there's part of me that feels like there should be one international break in terms of, you know, the one that leads up to the tournament and then the competition. And we have the Nations League now. We have like a semi-competitive competition across the year. It's just non-stop. Players don't get enough rest, in my view. And I think international football should be really limited to, you know, just these tournaments and then perhaps one break ahead of that tournament to get kind of the players up to speed and working. I don't think there's a need for three, four, five, whatever amount of international breaks across a whole year. It's just not necessary and it's overplaying the players in my view. So I'd completely scrap friendlies and the Nation League to one international break before a big tournament and that's it. That's what I would go for. Now let's get some quick reaction to that poll. A lot of you still saying Emmy, and I'm not surprised. Emmy Martinez, certainly the more salty of the two. Uh, Marcus says, how did you rate Vieira's brief appearance against Manchester United? And what position do you see him playing? I thought he was good. I liked what I saw. Uh, I thought he was energetic. I thought it wasn't just about the creativity that he clearly brought when he came on. I thought it was what clearly I saw was a Mikel Arteta type player, someone that presses, someone that gets involved, someone that wants the ball, someone that's quick, someone that's quick of thought, really good with their vision and execution. There's a lot to like about that, but it was still a very, very small cameo. And I don't think there's enough to take to be assured about what he will bring or where he will ultimately play. But he played in that Erdegaard role and I thought he was quite good. Hopefully we see him start tomorrow's game and we get a really good opportunity to see what he can bring to the team. Um, let's go to Aya, who says, Tom, when I mentioned Arsenal needed a talisman, I meant we needed more than just one. All big teams have at least two or three. We have too many young stars who are yet to reach the talismanic level. I think Bakaya Saka is a talisman for Arsenal. Um, I, I don't have any qualms in saying that I think Bakaya Saka is a talismanic figure for Arsenal. I think you can be a young player and still be a talisman for the club. People forget how young Erling Haaland still is and was when he was at Borussia Dortmund and still was certainly their talisman. I think Bakaya Saka is a talisman for Arsenal. I think Gabriel Jesus will be a talisman for Arsenal. I think the potential for Arsenal's front three of Martinelli, Saka and Jesus has the potential to be one of, if not the best in the Premier League at some stage. It's going to be that good, hopefully. Fingers crossed. I love listening to what Clive had to say on the Arsenal Vision podcast about the fact that Martinelli and Saka are doing what Mane and Salah are doing at Liverpool to a lesser extent, but they're doing what they're doing at a much younger age than both of them players managed to achieve it at that same age. So I'm loving what I'm seeing from our front three. I think it can be special. I do think we have talismans. I think we could add certainly a world-class player or two in the summer of 2023, and that would definitely push us up another level even further. But I don't think it's fair to say that we don't have any talismans in a young team. And I think a young player can absolutely be a talisman in the side. Um, let's go to uh, Lynn, who says, Tom, do you think that this is the January Edu and Arteta has learned their lesson and bring in players? Will they learn their lesson from last January? The answer to the question is, I don't know. And we will have to wait and see if they will learn their lesson. Based upon how we ended the summer window, I'm not holding out a lot of hope, particularly um, for, for them to have learned their lesson. But maybe they'll prove me wrong. I hope that they do. To be honest, and again, I had this discussion with a lot of people. I find it baffling that somehow Mikel Arteta is in the crosshairs for Arsenal's failure to land a midfielder this summer, despite him coming out on multiple public occasions and saying he wanted more firepower, that we are short and that we want to do things. You know, all of this stuff and those listening audio. Yes, I was using air quotes rather satirically. Um, but like we, he's he's said all of those things. Despite saying those, we didn't do it. But he said those things. Clearly, he wanted reinforcement and the club couldn't deliver it. So I still find it odd when the 
kind of finger is pointed towards Arteta. I'll point the finger towards Arteta when it's due, like against Man United with the substitutions. For me, I'll point the finger at Arteta and rightly criticise him for that mistake, in my opinion. But I won't point the finger at Arteta for something that I think he wanted and the club were either unable to achieve, felt that the options weren't cost-effective or that they just weren't out there to a quality that we felt was good enough for this team. And to be honest, I don't have a wild problem with that because I'd rather Arsenal only brought in quality. That said, I still think there is a good counter-argument to say that if you look at someone like Chelsea, bringing Denis Zaccaria on a loan for a season, that probably could have given us enough cover for the year rather than risking it for the rest of the campaign. I don't think a loan for Zakaria, who joined Chelsea on deadline day, that deal wasn't in the works for some time. They pivoted away from some of their other targets that they'd gone for on deadline day, and they moved for Zakaria. He was available throughout the summer. I reckon, absolutely, we could have done something like that on loan, and it wouldn't have been any risk to us whatsoever, and we could have covered ourselves. We didn't, and I think that could end up being a mistake. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Manu says, have you been watching Awobi recently? Really liked him when he first broke through, but very frustrating at the end. He looks like a decent player in the midfield for Everton. Yeah, he's playing this new number eight, left eight role, which I know is a position that a lot of Arsenal fans have wanted Arsenal to see strengthening. I'm not going to sit here and say that we need to bring Awobi back to the club. I don't want to see Awobi back at Arsenal. I think he's found his kind of level where he can flourish if he can at Everton. Fair play to him. I liked him when he came through. I never really saw a long-term future for him at Arsenal. I just never thought he was of that kind of level that Bakaya Saka has shown. But I like him and I wish him the best. And hopefully he does well at Everton because, you know, there's no reason not to like him. And he got us a very, 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 very good fee. So, you know, I don't think that there's any issues with me and Anawobi whatsoever. Uh, Deep Kundu says, Tom, will Arsenal revisit Mudrik in January? Supposedly, they never really visited him in the first place. It was just an interest that we had. There was never an offer submitted. We are just tracking him, scouting him, following him. We aren't and haven't put in a bid at any point. So it's not about revisiting him. It would be about visiting him for the first place. But Arsenal know the player. They follow the player. They're tracking. They like the player. Let's see if they move for the player in the near future. Uh, Gavin says, report stating that we won't be going back in for Douglas Lewis in January. Surely this means that he was never the answer to begin with. No, and typically, Gavin, deadline day signings don't tend to be your first choice. So if you are able to bring in and bring in a player that is available on deadline day, they don't tend to be your first choice. Sometimes they are, in the case of Thomas Partey. I don't think Tommy Asu was ever our first choice option in that position. Ironically, I think Emerson Royale potentially maybe was more so. I'm very glad the way that that's worked out, however. But it's the way that it goes. You know, on deadline day, if you've got those injuries and you've pivoted and you realise that you actually do want to sign a player more drastically, you will move for a player that isn't your first, second, third, fourth, or even fifth choice at times. Douglas Louise, whilst on deadline day, I was kind of keen to see it happen because I just felt there was a desperation to get a deal done in reflection and now out of that panic state and out of that panic day, I am kind of relieved that it didn't happen. That said, if it did, you I mean he could have been the replacement for El Nenny in the future, but it's twenty-five million pounds invested in a player that doesn't play at the sixth position to the best of his abilities. He's ten times the player that he is if he plays slightly further forward as a number eight. So for that reason, I'm not particularly concerned. Uh Yasin says, Why do you think we don't go for loan moves? I mean, we we have and do, if you remember that Cedric and Marie were both loan deals. Arteta also decided to bring back Danny Ceballos on a loan deal. 
We have done loan deals. I just think the club would rather know that they've invested in someone for the future that they believe is of the quality. Let's be real. If you're bringing in someone on loan, it's because they're not good for the not good enough for the club that they're currently at and they're surplus to requirements. And they're not good enough for you to go and commit to them. So there is always a bit of a red flag with a loan player. Now, that said, I still do think that there is, you know, this idea that a loan player can give you cover. And I think Zachariah would do that. So there you go. Arteta as Lyle says, but Tom, you can't praise Arteta when we make signings, but then criticize they do when we don't. They are both responsible. Okay, let's break this down. It's a great question because it's certainly one that people have a lot of misconceptions about. First of all, let's tackle the praise side of things with Arteta. Arteta works with Edu in terms of planning and the identification of players that they want to sign. Arteta has been praised about Arsenal's recruitment because he has been integrally involved in the way in which Arsenal have overhauled the way in which they've looked to sign certain types of players. We aren't making the same mistakes in the past. We are bringing in quality and we are benefiting from that quality. And his work with Edu and the club to identify better players and bring those players in is worthy of praise. First half of the argument. Second half of the argument, the reason why I can't point the finger at Arteta if we don't bring in a player after he has publicly come out and said that he wants a player, and I can point the finger more towards Edu, is because Edu is responsible for getting the deals done. Arteta isn't. The only involvement that Arteta will have in getting the deals done is potentially speaking with the player, convincing them of the project. But Edu is responsible for not only the player-player, player-club relations, but the club-club relations, agreeing a deal, agreeing a fee, agreeing a contract with Richard Garlick, who's also gone under the radar for a lot of people this summer in regards to some of the misses we've had. You know, I'd point the finger more towards Richard Garlick than I would do Arteta in regards to sorting out player contracts if that was the problem, and I'm not knowing that for sure, so I can't. But Edu is responsible for the whole process of the transfer and getting the transfer done. Arteta isn't. What Arteta is worthy of praise for is his vision regarding his work with Edu in trying to identify the right kind of players. It's not as simple as two sides of a coin of praising Arteta for getting deals done and then not praising him for not getting deals done, not being a thing. It doesn't work. It's not, as I say, two sides of a coin. It doesn't work that way. So yes, you can praise Arteta for the work that's been done for the signings that we've made because he is in part responsible for helping those deals get done, for choosing the right players and for planning out Arsenal's future in the market. But at the same time, something else can still hold true that he's not worthy of criticism if players come in or don't come in rather because that is on Edu to get those deals done, especially when Arteta has publicly come out and said that he wanted more, quote, firepower in the squads and after we got those injuries he also pointed out that we were short so yes there you go that's your explanation i hope that it makes sense uh tim says can you touch on the chelsea game uh pending thomas tuchel pending sacking and the club as a whole sinking back into mediocrity where they belong it's still the start of the season tim i hope you're right i want to jump on the bandwagon of laughing at chelsea and trust me last night i was laughing at chelsea and abamyang when they lost that game. And yes, I will laugh at Aubameyang. Yes, I'm a little bit miffed to see him go to Chelsea. Yes. I don't really care, but I also will happily laugh at Chelsea losing. If you become a Chelsea player, I'm going to laugh at you when things go wrong. That's that's on you. You've joined Chelsea. That's your choice. <laughs> you know, And I'm sure that my laughing at Chelsea was never factored into their decision before anyone puts any satirical comments in the chat box. But, you know, if you go to Chelsea, that's on you. And I'm going to laugh at you. 
So uh, whilst I couldn't really give, you know, a rat's ass about Aubameyang going there, if you do, I'm going to laugh at you because you've gone to Chelsea and that's your choice. Odegaard was alone. Good point, chat box. Yeah, Odegaard was definitely alone that has turned out to be a now a permanent deal that has gone very, very, very well indeed. Um, Greg says, I don't think Kroenke give them money. I can't blame Arteta. Definitely he would want more players. Okay, let's tackle this one, Greg. Let me show you how Kroenke did give them money. First off, it's his club. We might not like it. We might not want to admit it. But Arsenal is Kroenke's club. He bought it. He owns it 100%. Any of the club's money is his money. That's how it works. And in the last four summers since he took over in 2018, so 2018, 19, 20, 21, 25, five summers, 72 million in 18, 144 million in 19, 77 million in 20, 150 million in 21, 180 million in 22, according roughly to transfer-marked estimates. Kroenke has given them money. Kroenke's money has been spent on transfers as much as more than half a billion has been spent on transfers. So there's no more pointing the finger at the ownership and saying, you aren't spending. There's no more pointing the finger at that. And on deadline day, they were willing to sanction another £25 million to be spent. For me, if you're going to point the finger, the reason as to why we didn't strengthen enough, it's two reasons. One, if you're going to point the finger at someone at the club, you can point it towards Edu for not getting the players done that we needed. The second part is if the players just weren't there. Now, I think there is an argument in that sense for certainly the quality, but cover, I think, with the loans to the likes of Zakaria, Artur, it shows that there were options for a loan that maybe we could have been a bit smarter about. Um, but who knows? Maybe January will address it and end up looking a little bit silly in retrospect. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Um, let's scroll down. Uh, Bizarre says, thoughts on Nuno Tavares' comments on Arsenal not letting him leave. Uh, go back and watch yesterday's show, Bizarre. I, I talked about it yesterday. Uh, same says, uh, we need to get in the safe Ruby. Who is safe Ruby as an intermediary to get deals done? Impressed. He's got the character required for this business. I don't know who that is. You have to tell me. Um, I don't know who he is. Uh, so you have to give me some <laughs> knowledge because no idea. Uh, Massi Bulele uh, says, hi, Tom. Is it too early to think about moving on Partey next season? Yes, it is. I am not on board with this whole moving on Partey because the whole moving on Partey is revolved around the idea of replacing Partey. We shouldn't be replacing Partey. We should be adding quality to Partey so that we have Partey and another world-class midfielder. There's this obsession that we need to replace everybody. Why? Why do we have to replace everybody? If we've got a good player, which Partey is, but has his fitness problems, getting a player to play with him or instead of him that's as good as him or better. We don't need to get rid of Partey. You know, he's got, what, two years left on his deal, I think, after this season. He's 30. He's not going to be earning it. He's not going to get a big, big fee if we get a go of him, unless we get someone coming in mad like they did with Casemiro. If we got a big, big fee, sure, I'm more open to it. But I just don't see that happening. So don't replace Partey. Add to Partey. Strengthen, reinforce Partey. I don't think we need to do that. Um, Clive says, Ruby is an agent and he is poor. I'm going to start with Clive on this one. <laughs> I defer to Clive's view. Uh, so there you go. Um, Joel says, is our squad the same size or smaller than last season, even though we didn't have Europe last season? Is the squad the same size? Okay. There was something that was sent to me, which I'm sure a lot of you have seen on your social media feeds, but it's the comparison of Arsenal's squad in relation to... Um, 
in relation to Manchester City and Liverpool. Now, Arsenal have depth. I don't think we can disagree with that. If you look at that, Man City have got three goalkeepers. Liverpool got three goalkeepers. We've got three goalkeepers when you include Carl Hine. Man City uh, have got... Why is it cut off the bottom bit? That's really irritating. Uh, Man City have got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight defenders. Liverpool have got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine defenders. And we've got eight defenders. Man City have got five midfielders. Rodri, Bernardo, Silva, KDB, Phillips and Gundogan. Uh, we actually have seven uh, and Liverpool have 10. Wow, 10. That's ridiculous. 10 midfielders. Uh, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool have one, two, three, four, five forwards. Arsenal have six and Man City have six. So, you know, in terms of depth, we have depth. That's never been the question. The number of players Arsenal have is never really been the question. The question for Arsenal is, do we have the strength in depth? And that's what Arsenal have needed to achieve. That's why we want another midfielder. That's why we want another wide forward. So we can add strength in depth. But strength in depth sometimes often gets confused with just bringing in a player that can be a backup to Partey or a backup to Saka or a backup to Jesus. I don't want backups. I'm not interested in backups. I know I've waxed lyrical about this all summer. I'm just not interested in them. I want competitors. I want someone that's going to push Partey. I want someone that's going to push Saka. I want someone that's going to push Jesus. I don't want someone that's going to go, go on, Jesus, have a good one, mate. I'll, I'll jump in when, when you want to come off. I don't want that. I'm not interested in that. I want competitors. So depth isn't a problem at Arsenal. Quality depth and strength in depth is the problem for me more so at Arsenal. Uh, Crispy Rice says, I think Danilo is the end product target in January. Me too. I think they'll go for that, but I think he's more of an El Nenny replacement. Um, which, you know, if you're going to bring in a young player, I think Danilo has the potential in the future to compete with our starters, as potentially Lukonga does. But we still, for me, need to go out and sign a starting quality player because we're going to lose El Nenny. And I think we need to add a top-class midfielder. And this isn't to contradict what I've just said, because at the same time that you need to be smart with your squad building, but if you're going to bring in a midfielder, I think we need to bring in someone that's going to compete with Partey. But if you are going to lose some depth, it is a good idea to bring in someone who has the potential to compete with those starters, not someone like an Elneny, who we know won't in the long term compete with those starters and is purely a cover option. That's, for me, the way in which we need to move. Um, Clive says, I know players under his control. Trust me, people. <laughs> Clive saying it as it is. I'm loving this. This is great. Uh, MD says, that's strange from Leno. He was not willing to be second choice. Matt Turner is willing. So what is he talking about? If he did not indicate he wanted to leave, would Matt have been signed? Good question. Uh, and I would want, don't know the honest answer, but it's a good question. Um, Isoa says, I feel gutted that Arsenal were put in a situation where we gave uh, their all and their best players and kickstarted Man City's dominance. Yeah, look, we can go back and cry about our past, but it is what it is. We deal with the hand with that we've been dealt with now, and I think we're moving in a good direction. Uh, Oli says, Declan Rice, with one year left on his contract next summer, should be our top target. Look, Declan Rice is a fantastic footballer. If Arsenal can go out and get someone of that level, great. That's what we should be aiming for. Rice's, Bellingham's. That's what we need to go for. Um, and if we get Champions League football, it's going to become a lot easier to realise something like that. But I kind of see Rice ending up at Chelsea. I see Bellingham ending up at Liverpool. And that's the challenges that we face. We've got to try and outcompete these teams. Had we had, had Champions League football this season, we probably would have beaten Man United to Lissandro Martinez. We would have had more money to spend. We may have been able to go more in the market for someone like him. And he may have been more open to joining us with Champions League football. But we didn't. 
and that's the reality as well, is that there was kind of an expectation. We should be signing these players. Now, we didn't have Europa League. We didn't have Champions League football this season, this summer. So next summer, when minimum expectation we have got at Champions League football, that hopefully will push us towards signing the right kind of players. Um, let's go to... How about Edson Alvarez, says ISO up. Proven competitor to Partey. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him play for Ajax more this season. I've not seen loads of him. People did suggest him, but 50 million euros. It's a lot of money. I need to see him more before I turn around and say, yeah, we should absolutely be trying to sign him. There are also a lot of players that are going to be going on freeze at the moment. There's a huge plethora of quality that are seeing their contracts run down this season. So that's one also to keep an eye out as well. Um, Adam, this is a lazy piece of criticism. You know, I've seen it before um, that apparently Edu only likes to sign Brazilian and Portuguese players, which even if it was true, Brazil is currently the number one nation in the world right now, according to FIFA rankings. So it's not like they don't have bad players. Portugal, former European winners, uh, European Championship winners, also produce a lot of good quality. But I'm sorry, these types of comments don't help anything. They are a narrative. They are trolling, let's be real, and just not true. It doesn't help the situation. doesn't help the discussion around the club. And I will hold people responsible for those types of comments, you know, as I've done before. Um, Esmond says, Tom, I'm sorry to say this, but you are not thinking clearly. Why should we keep the overrated Partey who is injury prone? Because he's a quality player that when he's fit is very, very good. You aren't going to get a good fee for him now at the age of 30. He can offer experience in the group. And I think he's a good part of the team to have. And I would rather add another player that's as good as Partey so that when Partey is not there, we... <laughs> so just in a funny comment. Um, that when he's not there, we've got someone as good as him who can play with or instead of him. That's, that's what I want. That's what I want to see. We don't need to replace him. We need to add as quality as good to him. Guna Gang, yeah. Adam, go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. <laughs> oh, the teacher. Mr. Canton coming out again. Uh, Michael says, we do not need to replace Partey. Partey should be the backup because he's always injured. We need to buy a starter and Partey should be the, quote, backup. I don't like the idea of using the word backup for Partey. He's a competitor, but I think I get where you're coming from in that end. So there you go. Um, and as, as Light Bob says, if Partey is the squad player, that's great. If Partey, a player of his level, is a squad player, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because if your player of that level is not getting on the pitch because we've got better players playing instead of him, great, fantastic. That's where the squad needs to go to. That's what we need to do. That's how you build a squad. Um, Esmond said he's almost always not there. Again, factually not true. 58% of the games he has turned, he has started uh, since he's arrived, which is poor. Very, 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 very poor. Not going to deny that. But again, using terminology like he's almost always not there when he's played more games than he's missed. Again, it's these types of comments that don't help the realistic kind of view of what the situation is. And I read them because I want to be fair to everybody in the chat box. It's as simple as that. Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. We are going to wrap things up there. It's been a genuine pleasure to join you as always. Uh, I'll be live probably this afternoon, I think, potentially at some point. Um, I am hopefully going to be bringing you some information about what goes on in this morning's training session as well at, from London Colney. So as soon as we've got more information on Emil Smith-Rowe, as soon as we've got more information on um, the likes of Partey and his availability, 
we will let you know. So I'm looking forward to hopefully, potentially seeing something like that give us some positive news. Uh, Smith Rowe in particular, I'm really hoping that he's going to be back and fit and available. But we'll have to wait and see. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. And uh, I'll see you again very soon. Drop a like, subscribe if you're new. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.